I was recently reading the biography of James J. Braddock, if you've ever seen the movie Cinderella Man, that's who the movie was about. And um, I love fighting, and I love reading, so I really enjoyed this book. But there's a funny story in the book, and um, in the book he tells the story of being in a fight. And he says he goes out in the first round, and the opponent literally just starts to beat the tarnation out of him. I mean, he's just... He can't stop the opponent. The opponent's hitting him with his rights, hitting him with his left uppercuts. And he said, the end of the first round is over. And he goes to the corner. And he said, after one round, he could barely see out of his eye. His lip was all swollen up. And he said he got there and he approached the corner. And before he could sit down, the trainer was trying to encourage him and saying, man, you're doing great, James. This bomb is barely touching you. He said he went out for the second round, and the guy just kept hitting him. And he said he was so beat up, he couldn't even put up his hands. And he went back to the corner at the end of the second round, and the trainer looked at him and said, man, you're killing it out there. This bomb can't touch you. This bomb doesn't stand a chance. He, he's not even getting close with his punches. Braddock said he went out for the third round. And he said the guy almost knocked him out two times. He was staggering, and the ref almost called the fight because Braddock was so beat up that he couldn't even defend himself. And he said he staggered back to the corner, and the trainer got in his face. He said, I'm telling you, this bum is not even touching you. You got this. Braddock said he took all he could stand, and he finally looked at his trainer and said, then somebody needs to keep an eye on the referee because somebody's killing me out there. <laughs> Point is this. No amount of smooth talk from a trainer could camouflage the reality that Braddock already knew and that he was in a fight. All the encouragement in the world, all the rah-rah cheerleading in the world, all the self-help motivation and positive thinking, and, and this guy, the trainer, getting in his face, nothing could mask the pain that Braddock was going through. Braddock was in the ring. Braddock was getting hit. Braddock was suffering. And he said, man, if it's not my opponent hitting me, then it must be the referee that's hitting me. We're in a series called Fight, and we've been talking about some... Well, the first week, Grady talked about the reasons to fight. And last week, I talked about what I feel like might be the most important fight you'll ever fight in your life. And that's the fight to live the life you were created for. And how sometimes we just got to be willing to take the risk. Because at the end of your life, you're not going to worry about the things you didn't do. You're going to worry about the things, excuse me, you're not going to worry about the things that you played it safe on. You're going to worry about the risk that you didn't take. But here's the deal. I got to thinking about it this week. And I was praying through what to talk about. And I was thinking about what to talk about. But you can't talk about fighting without talking about the opponent that we're fighting. And make no mistake about it today, we as Christ followers are engaged in a battle. Matter of fact, we're engaged in a battle of cosmic proportions. We believe with everything that is in us that God is real. We believe heaven is real, and therefore we believe Satan is real, and we believe hell is real. We believe that we have a real enemy, and that that enemy, like any enemy, wants nothing more than to destroy us. Matter of fact, I dare say a church like Action Church 
And here's the deal with Action Church, in case you didn't notice. And maybe your first time here, and the reality is, you already noticed. We ain't ever going to be the prettiest church around. We ain't ever going to be the biggest church around. We're not ever going to have all the bells and whistles. We're not ever going to be the church where everybody on Sunday has it all together. And, And we're okay with that. I thank God that there are churches where everybody has it all together. I just don't think I could go to a church like that because I'd mess it up for them. I always joke, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. And, And I dare say, though, a church like Action Church, though, we might not be the biggest and we might not be the prettiest and we might not have all the bells and whistles, but make no mistake about it, we're a church that is on the front line. We're the church in our community that's dealing with homelessness. I go to this co-working space every day and I work out of it. People say, why don't you work down at the church? Because, again, we're not the prettiest church around. we got this big 32,000-square-foot building that has an air conditioning system from the early 70s. It doesn't have this amazing thing called zones where you can turn on one section and not turn on the other. So for me to work down here in my office means I have to run the air or run the heat for 32,000 square feet. And guess what? We barely pay the rent now. So I just thought it's not being a very good steward of my money. So if you expect the pastor to be here all the time, you're going to be sorely disappointed because I'm not ever here. <laughs> but I work in this co-working space. And they had this big meeting room. And they had this big meeting about three weeks ago of all these Nonprofits doing great work in our community. Let me say that very clearly. And the topic of this meeting was homelessness in Cherokee County. I wasn't invited to the meeting. <laughs> We're the only shelter in town. But that's okay. That's cool. I, I, I don't think I would have survived very long in the meeting. But I know the building really well. And so I knew there was a back alleyway, kind of like this, because the meeting room is this big stage area where they can do presentations and they were meeting out there. So I was like, I want to walk in the back room back there and I want to hear what they're saying about homelessness in our community. And let me tell you something, it was amazing. They had some phenomenal ideas. And they had some amazing theories. And they had some amazing ideologies. And on paper, they had the answer to everything there was to homelessness in Cherokee County. And then I heard somebody say, is there anybody doing anything for the homeless? Because Cherokee County is the only metro Atlanta county that doesn't have a shelter. And they said, well, no one's doing anything, but there's a church called Action Church that um, allows them to come in when it's cold. And I said, oh. And then I proceeded to listen to them for 15 minutes. I'm behind the wall. Talk about all the reasons why we what we do is not long-term effective and it doesn't work and it doesn't, blah, blah, cool. So I was like, cool, man, they got answers and what we do is wrong, even though we're the only ones who've been doing it for six years, but we don't know what we're doing. Hey, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear what they're about to announce, that they're fixing this big initiative. Man, when they announce this initiative, I'm going to jump out and be like, yes, I'm all for it. Let's do it. And this is how they ended the meeting. Boy, good discussion today. And don't forget, next year, we'll discuss this topic again. I thought to myself, wow, I didn't really solve anything. So I guess we'll just keep doing what we do. Because there comes a time you got to quit talking about doing stuff and you, you got to do it. And, but, but here's the problem. When you decide you're going to open your doors to addicts and those with hurts 
and those with habits, and those with hang-ups. And you invite people who are messy in life. And oh, BTW, we're all messy in life. Some of us just hide it a little bit better than others. So I saw a post on Facebook this week, and someone said, they're fixing to expose me. And I said, how can you expose someone who's honest about everything that they need exposing on? Gary did this, duh. Did you hear what Gary said, duh? Well, Gary, duh. Like you can't expose somebody who's honest about everything they do and all their screw-ups. But when you go after those that nobody else is going after, it puts you on the front lines of the battle. So I dare say, and I rabbit trailed all those times to say this, a church like Action Church fights the opponent and deals with the opponent probably more than other churches. So we better know all about the opponent. There's some groups, the Bible says in Jude 1, 23, it says there's some people who literally snatch people from the fire. I, I believe that Action Church is one of those churches. I believe it takes all kinds of churches to do all kinds of great things. I always say this, I don't think what we do is better or worse than any church. It's just different. We're the church that's willing to snatch you from the fire. We're the church that's going to kick in your door. We're going to kick in the door of the crack house and drag you out. We're the church that's going to nurse you back to health. We're the church that's going to be honest with you when we don't think you're back healthy, even though you think you're back healthy. And, And here's what happens when you do that. If you didn't know this... Here's what you'll learn about helping people. Nine times out of ten, those that you help the most will betray you the most. And that's okay. I'm never going to help again because why? We don't answer for how they respond. We answer for what we do. And the Bible says we're to love people, and you can't love people without helping people. And somebody's got to be out there. Well, they're going to turn on us, and they're going to, that's okay. We help people. Someone asked me the other day, they said, man, I bet you're sick of dealing with addicts because of a situation we're going through. I said, no. I said, I'm sick of dealing with this particular addict, but we'll bring on the next one. You know what I mean? And someone said, well, does it affect you? I allow it to affect me for about 60 seconds. And I know that sounds really cliche. I'd allow it to bother me for about 60 but I don't have time for it to affect me. Because there's too many people in our community that need help. But here's the point of all that. This church, you, do a phenomenal job of reaching the least of these in our community. But along with that comes a fight, and we better know who our opponent is. (laughs) We're never going to change how we do church. We're just not. We're never going to become cultured, and we're never going to become more structured, and we're never going to add this program and that program. We're not looking to create a Christian ghetto here where it's not a come-and-see church. It's a go-and-tell church. We want you to come here, celebrate on Sundays, and go tell the rest of the community the rest of the week to find out how we can help people, and we're going to bring them in. Alice and I went out to lunch, uh, dinner Friday night. We're sitting there in dinner. Here comes one of our people, Drunker and Cooter Brown, in the restaurant. He's at church this morning, drunker and Cooter Brown. So I looked at him, made sure he got some food, walked outside. One of my favorite people in the world was out there, needed some money, give him some money. We get in the car. I said, do you think he's going to go buy alcohol with that money? I said, that's not. That's on him. My job is to help. We just love people. That's what we do. We care for people. That's what we do. But you got to know when you do that that you're opening yourself up to attacks from the enemy and you better know who the opponent is. If we're going to win the battle, you got to be ready to fight and you can't fight if you don't know the enemy.
And make no mistake about it, I believe with everything that is in me is a battle raging. I always say this. I get real, real nervous around Action Church when things are going too smooth. It lets me know one of two things. We're not doing enough to piss off the devil. Or number two, we're fixing to piss him off real, real bad. And he's trying to get a head start. I can feel it brewing right now, drama. It gets my blood tingling. Hmm. Someone said, I just get tired of it. I get tired of it too, but I got to admit a little bit of me just thrives on it like a junkie. Let's go. Because that means something good's about to happen. Every battle is hellacious. But you come out of that battle knowing you won. <laughs> we hear that word in a crowd like this. We get excited, that word fight. This is a fighting crowd, let's be honest. This, this crowd will fight at a drop of a hat. Matter of fact, this last week, I've had to tone some of y'all down from fighting. Like, I know it's bad when i got to tone Alice down from fighting. Like, Alice was ready to get redneck. I said, whoa, chill. Like, when I'm being the sensible one, I, I, I can feel it. But we need to understand something. This is a different fight with different circumstances and different consequences. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, our struggle is not individuals. We're not fighting with the addict. We're not fighting with the person who's talking about us. We're not fighting with the gossip. We're not fighting with the person who has nothing better. We're not fighting with the person who has hurts, habits, and hang-ups. No, no, we're fighting a spiritual battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to understand something today. All around us, a battle is raging, spiritual battles between good and evil. And I want you to know something, because if you come here often, you know, this is just not something we talk about a lot, because it's kind of spooky and kooky and seems a little weird, and I think people can get too infatuated with it. But here's the reality of the situation. Demons are real. And the sad thing is most of us have very unbiblical views about those. We have very unbiblical views about demons and very unbiblical views about angels. And the reality is, as your pastor, I've probably failed to teach on this, and I've let you down over the years, especially for a church because of what we do, being so open to attack in the spiritual realm. Now, when it comes to the supernatural, here's the very common mistake churches make, because the church can never be balanced. That makes too much sense. So what happens is, is the church goes to one extreme or the other. And so what tends to happen is there's churches that have an overemphasis on the supernatural, an overemphasis on it. We can be so focused that we literally see a demon behind every bush. You know what I mean? No matter what you do, it's a demon or some spiritual word. No, maybe it was just because you were stupid and did something stupid. You know what I mean? You don't get to blame the devil for every stupid mistake you do. You know, man... I was talking to someone the other day, and they were like, yeah, the devil calls me to wreck. devil didn't cause you to wreck. You got a ticket because you were texting while you were driving. That demon didn't make you text. You, like, oh, it's a demon, you know. But, but then there's the other end of that, and um, we tend to be in this category. We can have an underemphasis on the supernatural. And this is me probably most of my life. Confession for you. I understand that there's an enemy, but I probably underestimated the enemy. Over time, we've underestimated the fight. And, and to be honest, it's probably affected our church because when the fights come, 
We fight like it's flesh and blood instead of fighting like it's in the supernatural. So today we're going to dip our toe in the water. Been to the pool lately? It's been 90-something degrees outside. It seems like it's a good idea to get in the pool. But here's the deal about the pool. It's still real cold. And you don't just go jump in the pool right now. You dip that toe in there. You got to get a feel for it. You got to get that toe acclimated to the water before you jump in all the way. So here's the deal. Today in the supernatural, we're just going to dip our toe, and I'm going to give you supernatural 101. I'm not going to wow you in some deep theological way. There's probably other churches that can do that better than me. But what I'm going to do today is you're going to leave here in a very practical, biblical way. You're going to at least have an understanding that we have an enemy and that if we want Action Church to be the church that God wants it to be, we better understand that there's an enemy and we better get ready. We better learn to have the testicular fortitude, if you will. If you're from Pickens County, that means the balls. To get ready to fight. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world, <clears throat> we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There's a spirit world and there's a war raging. There's light battling darkness. The problem is we're at war and we don't know how to fight this war. That's why we get in the flesh and want to handle situations like some of you wanted to handle it this last week. Because we see things in the flesh and we want to handle them in the flesh. And I like to handle it in the flesh. But you can't win handling it in the flesh. You can't win a supernatural battle fighting in the natural. We're in a war and we're not strong enough to win this battle on our own. It's a war that we can't win with our own power the Bible says we have to have the right equipment to win the battle. The Bible talks about the armor of God, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But what we need to do is we need to learn some principles about the enemy today. We need to open ourselves up to knowing their ways. I was talking to a fighter the other day, and he had a big fight coming up. And I said, what do you do to train for that fight? So I do two things. He goes, I train with everything that's in me to make sure everything I know is good and everything I do is good and my skills are right. He said, but I study my opponent. He goes, I know what he's going to do when his head cocks to the right. He said, I know what's fixing to come when his head cocks to the left. He called him telltale. Tell-alls, tell-tales, you can tell I don't fight. Um, he said, but he's got these tell-alls. He just does this. And, and here's what he told me. This was amazing to me. He said, I've watched enough video of him. I've talked to enough people who have fought him. And they say, anytime his left eye twitches, for whatever reason, he's about to come with an uppercut. Wow, that's studying your enemy. Because I just got to be honest with you. I'm in a ring throwing down with someone. I ain't worried about their eye twitching. I'm just being honest. I ain't thinking about the eye twitching. I'm thinking about, is this dude going to hit me? And I'm 43, and I'm old, and it's going to hurt, and I don't heal like I used to, so I probably need to knock him out quickly, and that's just how I roll. This is how I knew I was old. I had been on about four dates with Christine. We went out to eat, and a fight broke out in the restaurant. As the fight broke out in the restaurant, it had nothing to do with us, and it was nowhere near us. And back in my old days, I'd have been like, yeah, man, there's a fight. That's a redneck in me. This is the first thought that went through my head. If that fight makes its way over here and I get hit, it's going to hurt. And the next thought in my head was, God, I've got old. But he knew his, his opponent. He knew his, his tell-alls. He knew some things about him. And so what we're going to do is we're going to learn about our enemy, Satan, today. 
And you need to understand some things about Satan. The first thing is that he simply hates your guts. He wants nothing more than to destroy you. The Bible says he's plotting and he's scheming to do whatever he can to hurt us. <laughs> Our battle is not against other people. Our battle is not against the government. Our battle is not against Republicans and Democrats, but I think the devil loves that those battles rage. Hey, it's not against Donald Trump. It's not even the people you hate here on earth. We live in a physical world, but there's a spiritual battle going on. I want Action Church to be a church that teaches all about Jesus. I want us to do whatever it takes. I want us to be the church that's making it hard to get to hell in our community. I've said it a thousand times. I don't apologize for it. I've said it already. We're not going to be the deep theological church in this community. They already exist. We're not going to be the church with the best youth group in this community. It already exists. We're not going to have all the bells and whistles. It already exists. But I want it to be the church where those who don't do church, where those who've given up on God, where those who feel jaded by the church, where those who think they're not accepted by the church, those who don't feel welcome in a church, or even those who don't even believe there is a God can walk through those doors, sit in these seats, and at their own pace realize that there's a God who loves them, that there's people that love them, that God has a plan for their life, that God has a purpose for their life, and that's why Action Church exists. We have people come to our church, and they join our church, and they're here for a year. They're here for 14 months. They're here for 18 months, and they leave more than they go to the church. And people always say, does that bother you? It, it, I, it, with everything that is in me, it doesn't bother me. We're the front door. And if they end up, and I joke, to, there's a church in this community. I was, that church ought to bring me on staff because I have sent more people to their church than their pastor ever has. I'm good with that. I know my calling. I know my gifting, and I'm cool being the front door. It kind of works in my life. If you ever come to my house, I, very few people I let pass the front door. I'm just not a social person. Hey, how you doing, man? Don't stop it, God. Awesome, man. Good to see you. How's life? How's your mom and them? All right, man. Have a good day. Click. So it just kind of works. I'm good being the front door. But we got to know who the enemy is when you're the front door. Today's a, just a foundational issue today, and I want you to, to notice some things. The first thing I want you to know is Satan loves to blind the minds of unbelievers. That's his first move. See, we didn't start with those who are already Christ followers today because Satan wants to get to you before you ever cross that line of faith. Here, here's what I know. In this room today are several people who've never crossed over in their faith. You've been coming and checking out this church. You've been coming and digging it. Someone told me recently, they said, man, I'm an atheist, and I love this church. And I said, man, that's intriguing. You come to this church, but you're an atheist? I said, yeah. They said, man, I, I don't got to believe in God to believe in those principles you're teaching. Those are good principles to live out in life. And I said, cool. Now, here's the deal. What he doesn't know is i got a secret mission when it comes to him. I'm going to get him to realize those principles for life come from God and that God's going to enable him to live out those principles. And every time he comes in, I said, it might be the day. But he doesn't realize Satan's binding his mind. You're here today, and, and, and we created this church for you. That's why we exist. <laughs> right now, you're going to get to hear God's word being taught. And what's going to happen is you hear it being taught, you're going to find it real, real hard to pay attention. And your mind is going to begin to wonder. You're going to begin wondering what's for lunch today, and I wonder if the fish are biting today. And man, who's, who's on the pole? And is this preacher ever going to shut up or we can get out of here in time for kickoff if it was football season? And you're thinking about taking the trash out and you're thinking about your grocery list and you're trying to focus. You want to focus. You want to think about what's being taught, but the problem is this Satan's coming along and he's blinding your mind to the truth. 
The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So here's what you need to know today. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you stepped into the battle zone. You stepped into the war zone, and that's why your mind is distracted. I'm not going to get deep in that day. It's just the first little move of our enemy. The second thing you need to know today is Satan loves to come along and steal God's word from you. With everything that is in him, do not miss this. Satan hates this book. We as Americans take this book for granted. We have unlimited access to it. I've been preaching from this particular Bible for about 13 years now. I've always wanted to preach from a red Bible. A buddy sent it to me. It's starting to fall apart. So a couple weeks ago, I got bored and said, I need to find me a red Bible because I'm only going to preach from a red Bible because I'm superstitious like that. And that's just how I roll. And I'm weird like that. So I said, man, how do you find a red Bible? Because when I found this red Bible, I couldn't find a red Bible anywhere 13 years ago. I Googled red Bibles. There was thousands of red Bibles. It was amazing. There were so many red Bibles. I didn't buy a red Bible because I couldn't find the one I wanted because there were so many choices. I got to go back when I'm focused. But we're spoiled in this country. We take this book for granted. But we need to realize that Satan tries to rob you of God's word. <laughs> There's been different times in your life I've said something and it struck a nerve with you. There's been certain times someone said something to you from the word of God and it struck a nerve for you. You're like, man, that's good. And then a couple of days later, you try to recall it and for the life of you, you can't remember it. You try to remember that verse. So many of you send me messages all the time. Hey, hey what was that verse? On blah, 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 I, I can't remember it. And you've forgotten it so much that as you're trying to describe it to me, I don't even know what you're talking about. Someone sent me a message one time and said, what's that verse that talks about Golden Corral? <laughs> I had to go back in my Rolodex of memory and see what verse I twisted that justified Golden Corral. <laughs> Something was said and it piqued your spiritual interest. You were leaning towards the thing of God, and you're like, maybe this is real, maybe this is good, maybe this is true. Then life goes back to normal, and you're like, man, what happened yesterday? Satan loves to come along and steal those thoughts from me. He says this in Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed that was sown along the path. Satan loves to come along and attack you and try to pull out the truth of God from you. Your marriage is going through a hard time and you remember that message. I always say this all the time. It's, it's one of the reasons we do church the way we do it. I always tell people, it's one of the reasons before I preach every week, our band does what is referred to as a secular song. It's a song you're going to hear on the radio. It's a song that you're going to hear on the radio pretty regular. And it's a song that's going to go along with whatever I'm preaching. Here's our logic on that. Chances are real good Satan's going to come along and snatch that verse from you. Chances are real good I'm not a very good preacher, so you're going to forget what I talked about. But when you hear that song, when Jesse Cage slings it on the radio on Rock 100 in the afternoon, you're like, I remember that. That's good. You remember the time Gary talked about so-and-so. It's amazing how it brings back the memory to you. See, we need to understand that Satan loves to come along and he loves to steal God's word from you. Uh, another thing about Satan is he loves this. He tries to set traps to entrap you. He, he wants to keep you in 
the destructive lifestyle of whatever destructive sin is controlling you. I remember when I was a kid, we had flying squirrels in our house. Anybody ever dealt with a flying squirrel? I didn't know squirrels flew. Apparently, Jerry has. Jerry, shut up. You know you ain't allowed to talk in church. Laugh. When I call you out, don't talk. Listen, so we had flying squirrels in our house. They would literally leap hundreds of feet in my head, it seemed like. So we called the critter guy out to the house. I thought the critter guy was going to pull out a gun and shoot the squirrels. I was jacked. I was about 10 years old. Instead, he set out a trap. And he put peanut butter in the trap. Now, apparently, peanut butter is like an eight ball to an addict. They can't say no to it. Now, they know they're going to get trapped. Here was the funny thing about the traps. A squirrel would get caught in the trap, and it would go back into this compartment so it could catch more squirrels. So the second squirrel's rolling along, sees his buddy squirrel in the trap, laughs at him for getting caught. Oh, peanut butter. <laughs> Snatches that peanut butter and would end up in the same trap. And the first girl's like, who's laughing now, sucker? <laughs> Satan loves to come along and toss out some peanut butter. He loves to set traps for us. <laughs> if there's any area of your life where you're vulnerable, the enemy's going to come along. He's going to attack that weakness. He's going to find something to tempt you. He's going to find something to put you in that moment of weakness. If you're trying to leave that party lifestyle, as soon as you decide to do that, man, your friends show up and like, hey, let's have a drink. <laughs> You're trying to purify your mind. Next thing you know, man, you're down there praying. Ain't it funny how the thoughts that pop in your mind while you're trying to get spiritual? Man, it's dirty thoughts. You're trying to live right. You're trying to do good. And no matter what it is, we talk about, we were talking about this last night. Isn't it amazing how you can think of something? You ain't got to say it. You ain't got to utter it. You ain't got to say, it can just be in your mind. I'm exaggerating right here. But you get on Facebook and there's going to be an ad for it. I went in the store recently and bought some peanuts. Cars, peanuts. I've never heard of Cars, peanuts in my life. They just had them. It's what I bought. It's very rare that I pay cash for anything. I had cash in my pocket. It's even rare that I don't have my phone on me. The kids were in the car listening to music, so I left my phone in the car. So I didn't have my phone on me. I did not use a card. I paid cash. I got back in the car. We drove home. I sent the kids in their way, on their way like we always do. And the first thing I did like anybody does, I checked social media. When I checked social media, paid cash, didn't say anything. Well, I wasn't walking through the store. I mean, like, I just bought some cars, peanuts. How about these cars, peanuts? <laughs> I just didn't say a word about them. There was an ad for cars, peanuts. It's like they just knew. Satan's like that. They stole that from the devil. Social media is the devil. They stole that from the devil. He just knows what pops in your mind. Boom, there it is. Man, I'm struggling. Boom, there it is. But you know what? Bam, there it is. He loves to come along and set traps for us. Man, you're trying, trying to get out of debt, and there's a sell on clothing. 
Man, you're, you're trying to get your mind right and do right by your kids and not be influenced, and you got somebody coming along, probably somebody real close to you that you're related to who's beating you down, and, man, they're just a trigger for you. Satan's not stupid. Hollywood's made Satan out to be stupid. Adam Sandler and little Nicky's made Satan out to be stupid. George Burns is, man, that's what, I dated myself right there, didn't I? Let's be honest. How many of you remember George Burns and Satan? Uh, smoking his cigar. All you young kids, you don't even know what's up. Hollywood has dulled our mind to the power of Satan. But he comes and only sets traps for us. He says this in 2 Timothy 2. And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Make no mistake about it, he sets traps for you. You got to be aware of your opponent. You got to be aware of how he's moving. You got to be aware that he, he tries to, to, to steal your mind. He got to be aware that he tries to steal the word of God from you. Here's something else you need to understand about your opponent because all opponents are not like this. Satan wants to destroy you. Some opponents just want to beat you, some opponents just want to win. I was reading this book recently called Relentless. It was by the personal trainer of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And the whole book was about not how to be the greatest, but it was about what made the best the best. And he said something that stuck in my mind. He said, Michael Jordan didn't want to be great. He wanted to be the best. And it said some people would walk out on the court and they wanted to beat you. They said, Michael Jordan, he said he never met anybody like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wanted to walk on the court and humiliate you. He wanted to destroy you. I get, I, I'm not a big basketball person, but I guess there was a season, I guess the Bulls, they honed the season for the most wins in a season. I think it was 70 wins out of 82 games or something like that. It was something crazy. And they said towards the end of the season, a lot of the players, because they had like the number one seed locked up way early. And the couple of players said, one day, Michael walked in the locker room and said, man, this game don't even matter. And they said, Jordan lost it. Went off on everybody, berated them, lost it. Told him he'd go out and play the game by himself, one on five, and he'd still win. Because it wasn't enough to be good. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to destroy his opponent. I have a lot of business dealings in the business world, and I want to be the best in those business dealings, and I want to beat everybody in those business dealings. But i got to be honest with you, as big of an a-hole as I am, I've never really had the mindset that I want to destroy them. I've never had the mindset that I want to put other people out of business because that's their livelihood. I want to beat them. I want to do better than them. But I've never had that switch in me that made me want to destroy people, but Satan wants to destroy you. The Bible says, 1 Peter, be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Check that, you know what that means. It's like a cat. Cats are evil. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So about three weeks ago, my wife hears this noise in our house. She said, come in here. I said, what is it? She said, listen. I said, I hear it. I hear it. She said, it's a kitten. I said, okay. I said, that part of the house is about this big. How are you going to get to it? She said, we can dig up the floor. I said, we are not digging up the floor. 
It's going to die. That's his mom's responsibility. She said, it's been crying for two days. I just didn't want to tell you because I knew you'd act like that. I said, you're not crawling under the house. There's snakes under that house. There's critters under that house. I ain't getting under that house. I'll be danged the next morning. She didn't say a word to me. Her and Lynn are posting pictures. They've crawled under the house. And they've saved the kitten. Hold on, stop. That ain't good. That ain't good. That ain't good. It was one kitten, and it had this infection crap going on. And so I guess the mom left it to die. That's how evil cats are. I leave that cat to die. But suddenly I've noticed something around Lamb Manor. I've noticed a big cat that looks a lot like the little cat in our yard all the time, prowling. And it walks cockeyed and staring at us. I know it's ready to attack our house because it knows we have that kitten. It's plotting because it don't do it during the day when I can see it. It's early in the morning. I'm like, I see that cat. It's late at night. It's prowling. The Bible says that's how our enemy is. He don't attack any time. He's prowling around. Waiting for when he can attack that cat's waiting to attack me. When the opportunity arises. But he don't know I'm ready. Ain't going to be no opportunity. It ain't going to happen. But that's how the enemy works like a freaking cat. Walking around. Can I pick you off? Can I get you today? We need to understand we have an enemy that hates you. Hates everything you stand for. He hates you with a venomous hate. More hate than you can ever imagine. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your finances. And we better learn to take that enemy serious. He's in it for blood. And we're acting like it's a game. <laughs> he hates things that matter to God. He loves divorce. He loves debt. He loves you living a life opposite of your purpose. He loves drugs. He loves pornography. He loves getting you hooked. He loves anything that becomes an idol in your life that you place before God. And you can underestimate it. And you can joke about it, but we have an enemy who hates you and wants to take you out. I'm very aware of this fact in my life. There's ever been any area in my life I'm aware of, it's this area. <laughs> Man, what you see with the natural eye isn't all there is. We're in a battle between light and darkness. So the question becomes, we got a few minutes and we'll get out of here. I'm hungry. I've told you about the enemy. So what do we do about it? You gotta learn how to fight. First thing you need to realize is you're not alone in this battle. Matter of fact, if you're in the battle right now and you're fighting and you're struggling and you're this and you're that, man, you're not alone in your battle. There's an interesting story found in Scripture, 2 Kings. It tells a story when Israel was at war against the king, and there was a servant who was in the dialogue. And it's just an interesting thing. It says this in 2 Kings. It said, When the servant of the man God got up 
and went out early in the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those are with them. Now remember, there's only two of them. Elisha, those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We've got an army ready to fight for us. We've got an army ready to go to war for us. People ask me all the time, are you good? I said, I'm good. But blah, 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 I saw blah. I don't care about blah, blah, blah. You say, you're just saying, no, no, I don't care. You think this is my first fight? You think this is the first time some crackhead has got on there and made accusations against me? You must have me mistaken. You must act like this is my first rodeo. I thrive on this. But you know how I thrive on it? I don't engage. That's God's issue. God, we're going to look real stupid. If you don't step in, go handle it. I got stuff to do. You say, you believe that? With everything that is in me. It's just the way I'm wired. I have known from the, listen, in the biggest mistakes of my life, I knew I wasn't alone. I'd never been one of those guys who got mad at God and blamed God. And I was stupid. I messed up God. And I didn't fix this. I get there's going to be consequences, but let's, let's get on with it. God gave this guy a, a glimpse into the spiritual world. So you need to understand, when you're battling, you ain't battling alone. You think you're battling for your marriage alone? Man, God said, I got an army trying to restore that thing. That kid who's driving you nuts and you want to strangle them and they, you don't think there's any hope for them and you're ready to walk away, man, God, I got an army. Don't sweat it. I got this. We don't fight alone. That's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. I told you, I've seen some black ones do it over the years that can get with it, but a white one's getting to do it today. And that's good preaching. We need to know this, second of all, our prayers are more, more powerful than we'll ever know. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We need to recognize that our prayers are far more powerful for our battle than fighting the way we fight is. There's times you pray and you feel like nothing's happening, but trust me, stuff's happening. Your prayers literally make the battle happen. In the Old Testament, Daniel's praying, and apparently to him nothing's happening and check out, he's been praying, he's been praying, he's been praying, and praying. And then the same, but check out, it says, then he continued, do not be afraid. Oh, this is Angel talking to Daniel. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. Don't miss this. He said, I heard you the moment you started praying. I started making my way there. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. He said, I was on my way, but a demon got in the way. 
For 21 days, I've been throwing down with this joker. For 21 days, I've been battling. I heard your prayers. I'm glad you didn't quit praying. I'm glad you didn't give up on me. I was throwing down. I was battling. I was throwing rice, and I was throwing less, and I was throwing down to get past that opponent to get to you. You thought I was ignoring you, but I was fighting for you. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. He said it got so bad that Michael had to roll up in there. Because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. Daniel prayed, and as soon as he prayed, the angel heard him. That's power. We think that we don't get an instant answer it's because God don't, isn't listening. Man, there might be a battle going on that you don't know about. Seems like you're getting a little kooky today, Gary. I mean, sometimes it's kooky. Because we think in the natural. And this is supernatural. I'm telling you the strongest thing you can do is start praying. You pray for the issue you're dealing with. You pray for the relationship you're in. You pray for your children. You pray for your addictions. You pray for your hurts. You pray for your habits. You pray for your hang-ups. You keep praying and praying and praying and calling out to God. Don't ever miss this. God doesn't work on our timing. Mm. Reading God's word leads to freedom. I'm not going to touch much on this because I want to talk about this in our next series a lot. But there's power in this book. Some of you don't know how to deal with the enemy because you ain't read the battle plan. Bible says in John 8, to the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Bible tells us in James 2, 19, the enemy, the, the demons know this book. This is the battle plan right here. Blow the dust off of it. Start reading it. If you're not in this book, then how are you going to win the battle? Man, there's power in this book. There's change in this book. As my prayer life goes, and as my Bible life goes, so I go. Thank God for a loving wife. My wife asked me, she goes, how's your Bible time? I said, it's good. She said, how's your non-sermon prep Bible time going? Before I could answer, she said, how's your prayer life going? Don't be up in my business, woman. I said, why? She goes, I can always tell. Because you're a different person when you're in the book. She goes, there's a different peace about you when you're praying like you should be praying. And she's right. As our time of personal worship goes, so we go. I just don't have time. Yes, you do. You got time to listen to podcasts and listen to radio and watch Game of Thrones and watch this TV show and binge watch that TV show and do this and do that. You got time. You make time for what you want to do. I saw a thing the other day that said the average smoker spends an hour and 47 minutes a day smoking. Wow. Wow. I mean, I ain't preaching against smoking, but Wow. I don't even want to talk about how much it said they spend a week. 
with them, but they're all broke. I ain't got no money. Hmm. I'm going to close it up right here. Standing way too close. Get them uncomfortable giggles. <laughs> He's so funny. Hey, don't miss this concept. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. You know how awesome it is to go into a battle and know you've already won? First John, you dear children are from God and overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We've already won. You're fighting a battle you can't lose. They said in that book, they said Michael Jordan would take the court. And it wasn't psychological stuff. He literally believed, I've already won this game. And they said so many games they won before they ever took the court. Don't miss this. Because his opponents came out on the court knowing we've already lost this game. We fight from victory. How bad do you want to get beat up in the battles on you? But in the end, we win. No weapon formed against us can prosper. There's a fight. There's an enemy. You better know who your freaking enemy is. You better quit acting like he's a joke action, church. Because he's real. I get a little excited when he rears his head. <laughs>